Welcome to The Real Deal with Rhonda, a real estate podcast where we are committed to providing you with real insight into the Atlanta real estate market by sharing timely and relevant information that will equip you to be a better buyer and seller. This week on the show, Gene and Rhonda talk about some fourth quarter predictions and how you can expect the market to change as we head in to the end of the year. This is The Real Deal with Rhonda. Welcome back to The Real Deal with Rhonda podcast. My name is Jean, and today we are back in the studio with Rhonda Heron. Rhonda, thank you so much for having us back in today. Yeah, it's great to be here. I cannot believe that we're here talking about the fourth quarter. I cannot either. It's, Where it's game go? time, <laughs> fourth quarter. It's all in the field. Finish strong, exactly. Rhonda, what are your fourth quarter predictions? Yes, that, that's a great question. And we've been getting that question from a lot of our clients. So I thought it would be a good time um, just to talk about what we're anticipating um, for the fourth quarter. And as I always say, my crystal ball is broken. Who in the world knows? But we are seeing some interesting things in the market. Um, key indicators, I'll call them, um, that are giving us some idea of where we're headed okay. um, for the fourth quarter. And so those key indicators would be supply, mm-hmm. you know, supply and demand is true in real estate, like most things. Um, pending sales, how are we looking in terms of pending sales heading into fourth quarter? Um, affordability is becoming a topic mm. that on everyone's mind, right. um, locally and nationally, um, interest rates and how that plays into it. And then, of course, um, uh, pending foreclosures and a little bit about the eviction moratoriums um, oh, okay. that are up. And so um, when we look at this real estate market that we've had this year and the increase in pricing has all been due to supply and demand, a lack mm-hmm. of inventory, a lack of homes for sale, more buyers than there are sellers. And so that's led to multiple offers, which has even led to these tremendous price increases. Um, we are nationally and locally um, starting to see a slight increase in supply. Um, Realtor.com reported in August that new listings increased um, by just over 5% compared to the same period in 2020. Hmm. And so not a huge jump, but significant enough. It's big for us. <laughs> yes. It's big for how, it, for how it's been. Yes. And then the other thing that we're seeing um, in terms of the, the current inventory on the market, it was we're starting to see a number of price reductions. I know a lot of people are happy to hear that. <laughs> the buyers are happy. Right. The sellers are happy. <laughs> and so what I think in that, you know, for so many months here in Atlanta, we didn't see any price reductions for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we homes would come on the market, there would be multiple offers, the price would get bid up. And so what we're seeing now is as more and more homes are coming to market, Sellers are pushing the envelope a bit, trying to take advantage of this market and cash out as much as they can. And not in all, but in some cases, we're seeing, you know, that initial list price higher than truly what the market will bear. So sellers getting a little overly enthusiastic about the value of their home. And so we're as such we're seeing price you know, those price price reductions show up in the MLS that we haven't seen. It's almost like it's more just now priced accurately. Right? Correct. <laughs> yes. It's not so much that the house just lost value. It's just that it was, you know, this seller's market has been wild. And a lot of these houses have been, they've actually been selling for a lot higher. Yeah. Name your price, name your terms. And- but with a lot more, you know, houses hitting the market and there being more options, buyers are able to be a little more picky. And so a house might sit on the market a bit longer. Yes. 
Yes. And so the other indicator we mentioned was pending sales and pending sales are dip, dipping slightly. Um, even as, as early as July, um, the pending home sales index dropped uh, about 2%. And again, not yeah. a significant number, um, but I think these are the things for us to be mindful of and be paying attention to, um, you know, real numbers, real data to kind of gauge you know, where where are we headed for fourth quarter? What's the market doing? What are buyers doing? What are sellers doing? And how is that impacting um, the market overall? And that, that dip in July was the second month in a row that it had um, declined. So it'll be mm. interesting to see where, where we go yeah. um, headed into the next couple of months. Um, we're also seeing, you know, more inventory. You know, like I say, is more sellers you know, we're thinking about taking advantage of the market. We had a little bit of a lull just before um, school started in August, which, you know, historically we see that every year. Now that everyone's back in school, people are refocused on, okay, if we want to sell our home, now's probably the time to do it before we enter the winter months and into the next year, which, you know, a lot of uncertainty remains um, for then. So I think we'll continue to see um, homes come to market here um, in the upcoming weeks as we head into fall. So more inventory means, you know, more options for buyers and just a cautionary sign to sellers is, yes, go ahead and get your home on the market, take advantage of the market, right. but don't overprice and still go ahead and do those things that we know we need to do to get the house ready for market. Right. Yeah. We talked about that in a a previous episode. Basically, it's still an incredible time to be a seller. Yes. It's still a seller's market and the odds are still more in your favor for both a great price point on the home, but also for really favorable terms in your favor. So it's it's still a great time. Just need to get on it. Yes, time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there was a quote from Freddie Mac uh, last week that said, heading into fall, the home purchase demand is stable. So meaning it's even keeled, um, home sales remove at, remain above pre-pandemic levels and inventory is still tight, but improving modestly. Hmm. So again, it's that slow tick of, you know, a few more homes coming on the market, a little bit more of a balanced market. And I think that's what we'll see as we head into 2022 is a more of a, a more balanced market. There's a lot of talk about Oh, you know, will we see a crash? You know, are we in a real estate bubble? Um, will we see another crash like we did in 2007, 2008? And, you know, I think across the board, all economists agree the answer to that is no, because right. these are very different circumstances like we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think we're headed towards more of a balanced yeah. market. If you guys are curious about the the housing bubble question, we did an episode. So scroll up in your podcast feed and you can hear an episode we did specifically on that question that might be helpful and set your mind at ease. Um, yes. A question I do have about 2022. If we're expecting things to even out a bit more, and yet this year we have seen a much smaller amount of homes come to market. Even though in 2020, we saw a lot of people hold off selling their homes. So you would have thought that, oh gosh, twenty mid-2021 is going to hit and these houses are going to flood the market. They still haven't. So what what's going to happen in 2022? Like, are we thinking 
that is when all those houses are going, people are going to be like, okay, we're in the clear now. So Yes. Well, you know, that's such a great question, Jean, and it's it's a multifaceted answer because when we, you know, anecdotally, if even just looking at our own client base and think about the reasons why people don't sell and don't put their homes on the market. And, you know, we have so many clients who have been thinking about selling since Mm pre-pandemic. You know, kids are grown or they're looking to upsize downsize, right size, all of these different things. Um, But they've been a little paralyzed. And, you know, one of the things, you know, of course, you know, we've had the pandemic and we've had all kinds of other issues. um, But one of the things that have added to that paralyzation of not being able to do anything is where would, where will we go? And so as the market as more homes come to market, then that not only provides more opportunities for our buyers who are right. out in the market, perhaps renting currently, it also helps our sell our prospective sellers say, okay, you know, I won't be homeless or right. I don't have to live in a one bedroom <laughs> apartment with my entire family and two dogs. Like we, we'll find a place to mm-hmm. live. And it, it takes a little work. You know, we're having to work harder than ever for our buyers to, to dig up properties that perhaps aren't on the market yet. But it's interesting when we do that because, um, Every time, you know, we send postcards, write notes, make phone calls um, in every, you know, if somebody says I want to live in, you know, X neighborhood and we start doing, you know, sort of that, you know, boots on the ground searching for homes. There's always a handful of people in any given neighborhood that have been thinking about it for quite some time. Right. And so I think as, you know, people see options, um, they you know, the uncertainty of the world, you know, I think we've all kind of settled in to we're I'm not sure there'll ever be a normal right. <laughs> again in terms of normal as we knew it. There's so many factors affecting how we live and where we live. And I think people are starting to come to grips with that and starting to look at, OK, you know, what is the next chapter look mm-hmm. like for us? And there's such an emphasis now on home and family and being together and what does that look like right and it's different for everybody but it's definitely on the forefront of everyone's mind and it's um you know so it's not just a financial decision but it's like how do we want to spend our days and our lives together so i think we'll continue to see people stepping out of that (laughs) paralyzation and making real estate decisions which will eventually result in a more balanced market so yes i think you know, that was a long way to say yes. I think that people from, tw- you know, pre-pandemic will finally start coming around this fall and eat, and especially into the spring. Right. And, and making some, some housing decisions, which will mean more houses on the market. Any chance we might be in a buyer's market next year? <laughs> why do you ask? Why I do can't you ask? think of a reason why I'd ask that. <laughs> I know, I'm not sure we're in a buyer's market anytime soon, but we do have some things to keep an eye on. I mean, for one thing, with interest rates still yeah. hovering below 3%, I mean, we're... I think the average this past week was like 2.85%, which is unbelievable. Wow. So, I mean, that buying power right there and what that means, especially to first time home buyers um, or any buyers, you know, that that's a whole lot of buying power. You know, my first home was seven. We paid seven percent and we thought that was great at the time. Wow. You know, I know we have listeners who paid up into the double digits at one point. So it's basically free money. So um, thankfully, the lower interest rates 
balance out this affordability problem we're mm-hmm. having. Right. Um, there's a lot of talk locally um, in Atlanta and really across the country about, you know, the dark side of this unprecedented seller's market is affordability, um, mm-hmm. particularly for first time home buyers. And it's really becoming an issue. Um, you know, there's some buyers who are getting priced out of the market. And right. so, um, you know, hopefully we'll see some easing of that. And I know there's many um, cities who are looking at affordable housing options and working mm-hmm. with some really cool developers who are working on some, you know, higher density projects, maybe that kind of thing that can be more affordable. So that's right. a hot topic in our industry right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Something to keep an eye on. Um, and then the other two things would be um, foreclosure moratorium and eviction moratoriums. Um, so... Lots of details behind both of those that I won't go into today, but um, there's some question about will there be a flood of foreclosures to hit the market, and then that would that is a then that that's would, a hot topic. That's a hot topic, <laughs> and that would look a lot like 2007 eight because you know we didn't even know what a foreclosure was or a short sale was, but we learned really quick, and you know, but you know when we look at most of the. Um, you know, if you look at the foreclosure moratorium and the mortgage uh, mortgage forbearances, you know I don't I haven't seen clear numbers on how many of those were in that situation pre-COVID, how many were, you know, only COVID employment related, you know, and how many, you know, will be get their jobs back and recover mm-hmm. and not actually be foreclosed on. So I, I suspect, based on what I've read and and paid attention to, that you know, the actual number of foreclosures that come out of this, you know, because of the pandemic is actually going to be a very small percentage of the people who actually filed for forbearances and that kind of thing. When is that supposed to happen? Well, we'll we'll start to see the result of that here and then the coming months. And then, of course, the eviction moratoriums. There's, you know, it's interesting. I had um, a situation in my very own neighborhood, which was just shocking um, to drive by and see someone's belongings, you know, on the, on the front lawn. Oh my gosh. And, you know, we all were just in tears and how could this happen? And, you know, that, and it was a harsh reality of the situation with the eviction moratoriums. Of course, your first reaction is for the family um, that lost the home that they had been renting for years. Yeah. Um, you know, the father had lost his job. He had an illness, couldn't pay the mortgage for six months. I'm sorry, couldn't pay the rent for six months. And so the owner was forced to foreclose. And, you know, your initial reaction, at least mine was, you know, my heart was for the tenant, only to later find out that the landlord was a single mom, school teacher, who has a mortgage on the property, has to get the rental income in order to pay her mortgage. And so... There's two sides yeah. um, to that story, as as most things, and um, you know it's just so tough. It's a tough situation. Yeah. We can't have eviction moratoriums forever, um, because right. you know f- something like forty percent of investment property in the U.S. is owned by small landlords that own yeah. less than four properties and that's their livelihood and so it's not you know the big bad you know corporations that own right. all of these it's rental properties and it's real people yeah the pandemic was hard on almost everybody everybody yeah so i mean yeah, yeah. that is sad to see but it's sad for both parties yeah i'm yeah. curious for 
buyers, you know, as more homes are hitting the market, when the homes that do foreclose, when when that does happen, do those hit the market in a normal way or is it like private sales? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, the way the state of Georgia works, and hopefully we don't have to talk about this a lot because we won't have a lot of foreclosures like we did um you know, in the last recession, but um, Georgia is what we call a non-judicial foreclosure state. And so the lender doesn't have to file a lawsuit. All they have to do is actually the the first step, you know, they of course file the for- foreclosure notice um, to um, the homeowner, you know, okay. that they're, you know, they need to pay their mortgage or they're going to be foreclosed on. Um, once that's done, then they'll uh, put a notice in the local legal paper in the in the newspaper. Believe it or not, that the house will be foreclosed on. They have to do that for four weeks running, and then they can actually go straight to the county courthouse and you know set auction off um, that home. And so, wow, um, it's really important if you're behind on your mortgage to to yeah, talk that's... to your your lender and make sure that you don't end up in that situation. Um, and those are usually bought by investors, right? That makes uh, sense. On the county courthouse steps, or if they're not purchased that way, then the bank, the lender, will take that property back into their inventory, if mm. you will. Okay. And then there's usually a couple, two, three month process where um, they do inspections. They maybe have some work done. Uh, they have an appraisal. Maybe they get a couple of agents to do a, a broker price opinion. And then they actually list those properties Interesting. Um, with real estate brokers. And so they, a more, the, the way we're used to seeing it. Yes. So, so you'll see them listed. You'll okay. see them listed eventually by the banks in the MLS. There are some investors who will go around town in search of what we call pre-foreclosures. So, okay. you know, when those foreclosure notices are filed um, to try to contact owners direct and help get them out of that situation and purchase the property and then, you know, flip it for, for a profit. Um, wow. It depends on where things are, you know, in, in the, the process. process um, so if they're doing it from the county court steps, there's no um, inspection period. No, and- you need to <laughs> literally show up with your suitcase of cash. You're like, and- I don't know if the house is rotting. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. here's my money. Here's my money. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and you're typically, you know, when you, those are experienced investors who right. do this every month and they, they know what they're to, looking for. Yeah. Or they they check out the property ahead of time and that kind of thing. So, Wild. Yes. But like well, I say, hope hopefully. For everyone, yeah, I hope for everyone's sake this doesn't happen. Hopefully we won't have a, a you know, a, a huge rush of uh, foreclosures in the market. And it, it doesn't appear that that would be the case. Like I said, I'm not sure there's hard data on how many, um, but nothing like we saw in the last recession at all. You know, we're probably 40% of our listings were foreclosures or short sales. We're, we're, we're nowhere near in a situation like that. But it is something to keep an eye on yeah. and just be aware that, you know, it's just another small sign that we're headed towards a more balanced market right. soon. Rhonda, this has been so helpful. I have one last question for you. What would you say to sellers who are still sitting on the sidelines right now because the market is still such that they're not sure that if their home sells really fast, they might not be able to find a home to move into fast enough. What information or advice do you have for them? Yes. Great question, because it's a question that's on everyone's mind. Um, And I'll first say this. 
One of the advantages of this seller's market has been not only do you get top dollar, but we've been able to negotiate some other favorable terms. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've talked about this, things like removing appraisal contingencies and financing contingencies. But one of the ones that has really been a lifesaver for a lot of our clients is a temporary occupancy agreement. And so Hmm. um, a temporary occupancy agreement is otherwise known as a rent back situation. Okay. But, you know, let's say, you know, you go under contract now and we have a closing in 30 days. Um, a temporary occupancy agreement would allow you to, the buyers would allow you to stay in the home for, you know, 30 to up to 60 days post-closing. Past that time. Wow. Yes. Okay. So, you know, it doesn't work in all situations, but if the buyer has that flexibility and mm-hmm. you have multiple offers and the buyer really wants the house, then many times in this past year, we've been able They'll to negotiate that, that the seller can stay. So that gives you some breathing room yes. to go out and find that next house and know that yours is already closed. In many cases, we've been able to negotiate it rent-free. Um, and it's just really? part of part of being in a seller's market that that's just another perk that you can offer so that's just one of the many ways that we make this work market work for our buyers and our sellers that is awesome Rhonda thank you so much if our listeners have any more questions that they would like to ask how can they reach out to you to send those yes thank you well um, you can always follow us on Instagram that's just a fun way to keep up with what our team is doing and it's just Rhonda Heron. Um, you can go to our website, rhonda-heron.com. Um, email rhonda at ansleyre.com. And I would just encourage everyone, if you've you know listened to this episode or several, but you're not a subscriber, um, go ahead and click subscribe, become mm-hmm. a subscriber of The Real Deal with Rhonda, and you'll get notices um, whenever we post um, a new podcast and it may be a topic that you're interested in. So go ahead and, and Become a subscriber. Leave us a nice review. We'd love to hear (laughs) from you. We love (laughs) that. All right, guys. We will see you next week on The Real Deal with Rhonda.